Hello, everybody, and welcome to Attendance Bias, or more likely a recap half episode of Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein, and today I have our special returning champion guest hosts, Josh, <laughs> JW, and Skinny from the Stub Me Down podcast. Gentlemen, how are you today? Excellent, man. It's good to see you, brother. Hey, buddy. Hey, good to see you guys too again. Uh, we did see each other quite a bit over these last three shows. And for anyone listening, these are the three shows we are going to recap. The first three shows of the Half Baker's Dozen uh, at Madison Square Garden. That would be Friday, July 28th, 29th, and 30th. That's Sunday at MSG. So unlike usual attendance bias episodes, there's not going to be any edits. There won't be any lightning round or uh, any sort of fact check or anything or musical clips or anything like that. Just three schmucks talking about their weekend, going to see fish and our opinions within. Sound good, guys? Sounds good to me. I mean, sounds I'm, awesome. Uh, and I am kind of a schmuck. <laughs> yes, I uh, I second uh, that. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. <laughs> well, uh, let's get going. Yeah. So, as anyone who's listening to this probably knows, Fish just completed their first three nights at MSG. Three out of seven, lucky seven. And uh, to get started, I want to ask you guys: when these tour dates were announced. Skinny, I guess I'll start with you. What was your initial reaction with a whole outdoor summer tour up until now, seven shows at Madison Square Garden? Did you have the same kind of reaction as you did years ago for the Bigger's Dozen? Were you confused? Were you happy? What was your initial thought? Uh, We were going. I mean, just looking at the tour, sometimes you got to figure that out. You know, Um, I know a lot of us out there have children. And when you have children, it's kind of something that you got to kind of manipulate, especially in the summer. but. We found out that they were playing these, and I was pretty excited. I know there was a lot of chatter, especially early on when the tour drops or the tour dates dropped. Excuse me, that you know they're New York again. I mean, let's just face it; that's probably what they're going to do for a while. And if it's not just going to be a residency here, it'll be a residency somewhere else. And they're getting up in age. I mean, they're it's just like what you want to do to feel comfortable. I mean, I know. I loved this weekend. It was awesome, but like, there's nothing like going home. You know what I mean? We were happy to be home yesterday, even though we had an amazing time. So we were excited about it. I love going up to New York, especially in the summer. And uh, it was going to be anything like Baker's seeing MSG in the summer in New York City. I, I, I was all in, all in. Yeah, I'm a, excuse me, I'm a, I'm a lawn boy. I love outdoor shows. I love, going from shed to shed in the summer. We did Pittsburgh and Philly. So I still got some shed time as it were, but, um, you know, no merry weather on there. Um, you know, we're a little bit partial to, to MPP just being that it's close. Um, you know, so for me, indoor shows during the summer, you know, I had the same feeling during the Bakers. I was like, oh, man, but they were fucking awesome. Like Fish is so comfortable in that building. Like even the songs that you don't like or, you know, aren't preferred, they just feel different inside msg because the band plays there so much and at this point i've seen them there more than any other venue and 
the music is good. I think for me, the one drawback, especially when these dates dropped is like, I would love to go to all seven of these, right? Yeah. You know, um, but New York's a fucking expensive town. And even if you try and do it, you know, on the cheap, and we were looking at ways, my parents live in New Jersey. So we were looking at ways like, uh, you know, we could commute in from Jersey. We could, you know, stay in for the weekends, and then commute in for the midweek shows. And, you know, then like Skinny said, we've got kids. Well, we've got a 19-year-old who doesn't really see us very much. Um, <laughs> but we also have a, you know, 14-year-old who, again, actually doesn't really see us very much because she's at the beach and doing everything else. But, um, you know, for us, it would have been almost two weeks, two and a half weeks away. And... So we're very happy with the shows we got, but doing, you know, essentially a week, a week in New York city is like, I mean, that's a couple mortgage payments, man. That's <laughs> a, yeah, a lot. Um, you know, and even just the, the three nights that we, we were there was, was expensive. And I, you know what, like, I'm not, I, I'm not complaining about that. Um, you know, that's just was my thought when this initial tour dropped, but I was pleased that we got the opportunity to go to Philly, go to Pittsburgh. We're doing a couple of Dick's shows. Um, and we still got to see some of these. So I'm excited for everybody that's going. I know Brian, you're doing all seven, which, um, uh, we were, you know, talking before we jumped on and hit record, but, um, three nights in a row for me is, um, tough. You know, I was definitely feeling a little bit and not like hungover. Like I think I had one day where I was a little bit hungover, but just the the amount of walking, um, you're on your feet for a long time. Um, and it does it does take a lot out of you um because your days are so packed. So um, you know, I'm glad for a little bit of break, although I am going to see a Grateful Dead cover band tonight. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't stop them. Can't stop, dude. I, you know what? I the, when music comes around, and um, this is a band called the English Town Project, and I was like, you know, like we saw them once a few years ago, and haven't been able to catch them since. And uh, my wife is even like, uh, are we really gonna go? And I'm like, I'm going by myself if you're not going. <laughs> um, but you know, it does. It takes a toll. Um, but you know what? There's nothing more fun. Yeah. There's nothing a, more fun. I had I have a little bit of a different perspective than you guys just because, and I've said this on attendance bias so many times. I live so close to Madison Square Garden. I can get on a train. There's one virtually every hour or every half hour and be in Penn Station in 15 minutes. Yeah. So right. to me, it's no different than like a short bike ride to get to the biggest venue that fish plays in terms of its prestige and its familiarity. Sure. I mean, it's a hometown show for you. Yeah, pretty much. It is a hometown show, but it's almost a hometown show for everybody. It's because like I the feeling that I got, you know, I've been waiting so long for this. I saw them in Mexico earlier this year and then didn't see them at all this summer tour leading up to Madison Square Garden because seven shows. Forget about mortgage payments a week in New York City, actual mortgage payments and then also the ticket prices you know that's that's enough to prevent me from going to star lake it's okay right. for me i can rationalize that with no problem sure but it's easy for me to get there but i forgot that when they set up shop a certain way for seven straight shows or for 13 straight shows a number of years ago 
it is, forgive the cliche, but it is when the circus comes to town, everybody gets in touch. Everybody, yeah. what shows are you going to? Where are you sitting? I'm going to be staying here. Uh, which do you want to meet up at the Moynihan train station? Do you want to meet up here? I'll be there at four. And it's it's really hard for me to say, you know what? I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to go in before showtime because I can stay home. Like it's great to get home quickly, but I never found myself getting in any earlier than like 3 30 p.m which yeah. is that feeling that we all have when we're going yeah. to the lot and you're sitting around your hotel room and you're like, what time do you want to leave for the lot? And right. it's real hard to just stay there and wait. It's you want to get there. Inducing. Yeah. It's anxiety inducing. I would imagine for you just because it is so close. I'm a very much, uh, you know, I get shit about it all the time. I mean, Josh is like, are you in the <laughs> venue yet? And it's like 1230. <laughs> Cause I don't want to miss anything. You know, I I'd rather not miss a thing that happens. So you also uh, don't like to wait in like the super crazy line of you, people rushing to get in 15 minutes before I. ticket time. So we call like, that, I call that the Wook cyclone. I don't like getting <laughs> caught up in it at all. And so I like to get in, like you said, like, uh, you know, enough time to to kind of navigate before I go down. And I'd rather chill at the seats and wait for them to come on and, and be right. coming in. You know? I'm the I same think, way. I'm I think one of the way. things you're talking about, Brian, is there is that excitement. I, I you, Our relationship is the prime example. We see you either through a computer screen or at a fish concert. And that's it, right? Like, so that's couple times a year obviously we chat via text and and twitter and all that shit right but like to go and and you know see friends that you have because of the music i think that makes the social aspect of it so much more fun i mean we got I'm, there was a whole bunch of people that we met in person for the first time that i had chatted with online or you know on twitter or whatever and so just that like putting you know actual faces to names and feeling everybody's excitement i mean when we saw you at mustang harry's for the osiris happy hour like the energy was amazing and positive and it was just a fun group of people to sit around and talk fish and talk you know what shows are you doing and all of those details and just kind of share in that excitement that you know especially nerds like us that not only go to the concerts but then spend you know hours and days afterwards you know dissecting them um you know there's a certain uh a palpable feeling of being together, you know, in anticipation of, you know, what turned out to be fucking great shows. Yeah, absolutely. Especially that first night. We'll get into it in a minute. I'm just curious. I wanted to bring it back to what, uh, what Skinny said just a second ago. I think this is going to be the way of the future. I think it's going to be fewer distances between venues, uh, fewer locations throughout a summer tour, longer stretches, just two or three night runs at every place, and probably a large homecoming, which kind of reflects a little bit of what the Grateful Dead started to do in the early and mid-90s, although that was in the fall, and usually sure. in September at Madison Square Garden. They would play like seven or nine shows right. uh, at a time because it cuts down on touring costs. Uh, the band lives either there or close to it, although not the Grateful Dead's case, but in Fish's case. 
And it's just logistically easier for everyone, if not cheaper, you know, to stay in New York City than it is to stay outside Star Lake, Pennsylvania, or um, uh, Star Lake Pavilion, Burgettstown. Uh, it's yeah. it's just easier from a management and performance point of view. Plus, for the garden, it's amazing. The Knicks and Rangers are off season. The whole building right. is open and empty, and they get to make salt. You know, they get to make however much gross money that for seven sold out shows, seven plus. It's kind of easy to see the handwriting on the wall, in my opinion. Uh, but let me ask you guys this: You said that you went to uh, the Man and to Star Lake, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how did that prepare you musically? Like, what were your expectations leading into night one? If you had any, did they lay any groundwork there for you guys as listeners? Uh, <laughs> that's a heavy question. You know, Why? you I, saw four shows. I didn't see shit. What do you mean you didn't know? <laughs> you didn't have any expectation? No, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't really. I try not to go. We've talked about this, Skinny. I try not to go in with expectations, right. except. I'm going to have a good time. That's the expectation, right? They're going to play something that I like. Now, for this particular run, um, I thought they were coming into MSG like playing really well. I felt like they're really tight. Now, I think we can um, talk about Trey's vocals, which is probably the you know the elephant in the room when you talk about like what Fish's sound is right now, but musically the jams, I really feel like they're, they're tight, but there's, they're loose in their style of playing, um, which I think lends to a certain amount of comfort that they felt coming in. Um, I have, you know, song selection wise, you know, I, I, I really liked the second night of Philly. I liked both nights of Pittsburgh. Um, they played sand. So like musically I can find something. I liked a couple of the new songs that, um, we heard. So that was one thing I was expecting was they were going to give a good run through on some of the new songs. And they only played two. We'll get to that in a minute. They only played, I think two, um, I was expecting the well in there also, but you might get that tonight or tomorrow. Um, so, you know, coming in, I, they sounded good, but I, I think MSG, as I said before, is that it's that landing pad that even if they, you know, had maybe played an off show, I know Wilmington, the Wilmington shows were not, you know, roundly celebrated, but Syracuse was a banger. Uh, and then they came down to Philly and played, you know, very good shows there. So even if they hadn't, like, get them into MSG and basically anything that happened before that doesn't really matter, right? Um, because yeah. that now they're in that that space. They are close to the home. Second leg of tour, really. Right, I mean, right. they would did everything else. Now they're at MSG. So it's right. like, I mean, if you're going to split it in half, which is what nerds do like first leg second leg of tour because they've done they've had tours like that where it's first leg out west second leg northeast or right. vice versa whatever you know, and even I, if you add the numbers you add the numbers up now that they added those two benefit shows at SPAC I mean now you're talking so that's nine on the 
back end of tour and then mm-hmm. it was what a 22 23 show total so but dix uh, doesn't count for no 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 dix yeah i'm not counting i'm not counting dix. dix is its own thing yeah right for exactly sure. for sure well, let's let's take a look at the first night so it opens the whole run open wait hold the- on hold on oh, skinny okay. skinny didn't answer that question and he's been telling everybody under the sun this so we have to make sure that he gets this on this, what is this? review of the msg show <laughs> you didn't have to do that brian you were more than an uh, you know, comfortable to, to move on from it. I, I didn't listen to shit. I listened to nothing. I went to Peach Festival. I listened to a bunch of that stuff that I heard there, and that was it. Like, I wasn't, I was trying to specifically not do anything, not listen to anything to have no judgment. And I mean, right. and I think that's valuable. Like, I was listening to every show. You know, and then just came off of a, you know, a four show stretch. So like, yes, I might have some musical expectations based on what I had seen as far as where they were playing at this point in the tour. But I mean, Skinny's coming in tabula rasa, man, you know, like whatever they do from note one to the final note on Sunday, you know, he's, he's got, you know, like you know, wide-eyed, fresh experience, um, which I think, you know, especially for for talking about this and the instant reaction is really important to note. I was a little bit busting your balls there, but... Um, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but it's also, you know, on the, on the uh, non-part of busting your balls, like, I think that that's a pretty valuable perspective because, like, I was listening to, like, nothing but fish since, right. you know, July 11th. Yeah, I mean, I just was trying to be purposeful, but whatever. Let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. <laughs> Talking about me. <laughs> so it's so a night one, Friday, uh, July 28th, opens with evening song into a wave of hope, cities, the old home place, free Brian and Robert, stash and my soul. Set break, set two goes from more Ruby waves, plasma, simple, Mountains in the Mist, and closes with Split Open and Melt. The Encore, Good Times, Bad Times. My overall opinion, I thought this and Night 3 are neck and neck for show of the weekend, depending on which which way it is, depending what whether it's cloudy or sunny, it, it can go right. either way. <laughs> uh, evening Song was a little bit weird. Uh, I know it, but didn't really grab onto it when they started with it. But wow, this stretch from A Wave of Hope cities all tone place is always fun i don't know if i've heard it since 1998 live uh free right. i really appreciated brian and robert i also haven't heard live in a very long time and stash and my soul were good at what they do but that stretch a wave of hope and cities blew me away blew yeah. me away that was my big time first set yeah i agree now it's funny because evening song opened up uh a Madison Square Garden run not too long ago was the debut. I don't know if that was 18 or 19. I can't remember. Um, but I actually really love that song. And it is a weird choice, but I think it like kind of sets up everything um, a little bit. And and I agree with you. The Wave of Hope Cities is ridiculous. So I listened to to that stretch um, this morning. And I I just think right away in the cities... During, I don't know, I, probably about midway through, maybe there was a couple minutes left. I can't remember. There's just like this one of the first of many, first of many humongous roars in the garden 
which you can't replicate. Sorry, Josh, at a shed. I mean, you can a little bit, um, but it's just it's a different whole feel. So, you know, comparing first leg to second leg, I'll say that right now is like in that city's uh, maybe like four or five minutes left. It's somewhere around there. I can't just put my finger on it right now. But this humongous roar to what they were doing. Um, I think right around there, and just because the wave of hope was so long um, and extended and and just like out there a little bit, uh, and then the city just brings it back into kind of that funky dance, like everybody's excited to be in New York City, and then they crush it, and then the huge roar. I was just like, okay, well, I think no matter what happens, we're just in for it for the whole weekend. And the people that are going up this week, man. God bless you. I wish I was, but, you know, I can't make them all. Part of that roar probably was Corotta. Probably. Probably the lights, you know. The and lights when were you're, fucking ridiculous, yeah. dude. And when and you're then, at an outdoor shed, like you just mentioned, Skinny, I think what happens a lot is the lawn starts to sometimes roar and cheer in a reaction to the people in the shed. Like the people right. in the shed get it first, even if it's by half a split second. And then it kind of rolls back at the yeah. garden. It's 360. Yeah, it's it's a little bit more contagious. Unless and you're so, on the sky bridge. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah, that's the worst <laughs> ever. You know, the garden for all of our fluffing here is not the perfect venue. It no. is. It just simply isn't. Maybe like an eighth or a seventh of the seats are, forgive me, unusable. They're yeah. very poor. Uh, but that city's it took me all the way back to uh, 2010, the Greek cities. It, yeah. it doesn't really sound alike, but it has that groove where. It's like, okay, we've kind of laid this foundation. Now we can do anything. And the foundation of the groove will not stop. It's always going to be there for us on this kind of loop. And the crowd recognizes that. And so the rest of the band is welcome to just dunk all over it and do whatever they want. A Wave of Hope was great improv, but Cities to me was the true settling in. Yeah, yeah. And then, which is even funnier, just like their placement, which, I mean, brings in the gaggy um, kind of fishiness is like, at the old home place right after that like you know you know for all the speculation about rumors and themes and all this other bullshit that i've actually broke down at a bar all weekend um that never <laughs> works out <laughs> yeah my wife and i are sitting there trying to plot and scheme and she's like you're an idiot um when i go back and look at this placement right here the old home place MSG. I mean, you know, they played enough shows there where now at this point it is the old home place. And that actually, to your point, Brian, was like, it's really good to hear live. And if you haven't heard it in a while, it's fun. You know, that was and it was a it's tight. Like, I'm going to give this show my first E for execution because they execute <laughs> everything so well. Um, it's really it's really hard to talk. I can't say anything negative about anything. I mean, I, that's what I came home with too, but I mean, I, it's, it's definitely well executed and, and wave of hope cities. Like if you haven't listened to that yet, man, you gotta go back and, and you gotta listen to that wave of hope. I feel like Bry is one of those. Uh, I always get the terminology wrong. The light corollary, the light. Yeah. It's principle. the light corollary. All right. I got a first try today um, where, you know, maybe the lyrics don't move you in a in a proper way but man they rock the shit out of this thing and um it seems to be the you know one of the key 4.0 
vehicles that the band has really grooved um and, and kind of developed into a, a you know 18 to 20 minute staple um i mean and they're playing it a lot too like it's coming up what one every five shows or something like that um the cities i'm i'm with both of you on the cities the little extended thing that they did i mean this was what 14 minutes or something like that um and then out of the last three cities that they've played two of them have gone deep the one that they played in on the april tour um it's on the 23rd i don't remember what the location was but that was like an 18 minute version too so it's nice to see them kind of stretch it out a little bit and skinny you made a joke about the whole like theme you know what's the theme of the seven shows we had what seven deadly sins and then somebody had some sort of encore you're an right you're an idiot for listening uh trey (laughs) and i i didn't catch this at the show but i was re-listening to it and i caught trey make a joke in between cities and old home place about um you know here's a song we're gonna play and he's like this is kind of a theme this kind of a theme based on the last song and then they busted into old home place and um there were a couple of references throughout the weekend that they made where the band was clearly making fun of us um for you know searching for these themes and and you know being setless nerds and what they play when and and stuff like that and um that to me i think it just is it's just so awesome that they have that kind of relationship with the fans. And, um, uh, so I, I, I enjoyed that little banter piece there. Um, as far, I thought the free was really good in this, in yeah. this set also. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Can I go to the second set or? Yeah. Well, the only thing okay. I wanted to say was with the, uh, <laughs> cities and the old home place, when you talk about themes, I think lyrically is what he meant. I, you know, who knows except Trey, but literally, sure. uh, lyrically, when he says, I found myself a city to live in. And then the chorus of old home places, why did I leave my plow in the field to look for a job in the town? Yeah. So old home place is more about staying in this rural agrarian setting. You know, I'd rather be at home as a farmer than move to a town. And cities is, I got to find myself a city to live in. So that's yeah, a kind of sure. Well, I mean, that's you what know, I'll take from it. But we don't yeah. have to. We don't have to dig too deep. There probably wasn't. Anything Look, if you there. if you right, there probably wasn't. But if you you know if you want to really like get into it and like put on your tin hat, like evening song, like evenings, you could construct something from evening song all the way to my soul. Even you know old home place, and then free. You know, I'm floating in the blimp a lot, and. You know, Brian and Robert, like, I just want to sit in my house and watch TV. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, reference to, you know, being someplace. All right. Please stop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> enough. Enough. <laughs> enough. Second set. Sorry. So second set continued this uh, early, forgive me, trend of playing a pretty short opener. And then jamming the hell out of whatever came next, the two spots. So it opened with more, a pretty perfunctory version. And then Ruby Waves, Plasma, and Simple. What a chunk. Yeah. What an amazing segment of music. Uh, I loved it all. I loved especially the transitions, the segues 
from Ruby waves into plasma. And then it was a little messier plasma into simple, but that move of Ruby Ruby waves into plasma. I was, it was like a fitting a puzzle piece into the larger picture of the puzzle. I thought it was such a great segue and I love the music between all of it. Simple had its own jam as like its own platform mountains in the mist. I have very, um, sentimental attachment to it i saw it in a show in cincinnati in 2003 and maybe here and there again but the dynamics that they're playing with it now like very soft very controlled reminds me of back then and split open and melt to end it it's not my type of jamming i just i don't like jams that don't make sense and is just crazy uh i don't even want to say psychedelic it's just like aggressive dissonance I know mm. there are people who absolutely love it. And that if that is your type, this was your favorite jam of the night, probably. Yeah. Like it's somewhere between evil fish trademark and crazy dissonance. Go for it. I love you for loving it. It's just not my type. So I enjoyed mm. it and I could respect it for what it is. Just not for me. For me, the second set has it's all the goodness is in the beginning of the set. And I love the good times, bad times encore. That's, that's a, a really wild take, but I totally understand it. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Because like literally, you know, obviously if you're scrolling any social media about fish the next day, people have like the mind blown emojis split open and melt. Like, you know, um, I'll just go back really quick, like to the more, I, I was surprised that they opened with that. To me, that was a surprise and not good or bad just a surprise that they would place that there so to me i was like well because then it's only like six minutes long or something it's not long at all and so i was just wondering like why would you choose that there if you're not even going to extend that because they can even though it's more of like a constructed like chorus verse song they, i mean I, they can go a little bit out there with that or and i thought also too maybe the ruby ways would go deep but it didn't it was just like kind of just a I don't know, like water flowing. It sounded like they were trying to do until that mountains in the mist. Um, and then, you know, the split, I like split. I get what you're saying about the dissonance, but I love the anticipation. I guess that's where I get, like, I like the nervous energy of waiting for that thing to build back up into the constructed parts that I know and I'm familiar with and how they can change that every time I think is, um, is always just notable about them as a band. So I really like that. Um, and I, I love good times, bad times. I think that's like just the greatest encore. Just, I mean, who'd never listened to Led Zeppelin? I mean, it's, it's Led <laughs> Zeppelin. You know what I mean? It's just not much to say other than I, I would pick set one for me over set two, but there's just like chunks that I would rather have. So if all things being considered, if we could rearrange things, I would probably rearrange some things this night. But I mean, the playing was again, the execution of everything was was pretty tight i i don't i I never was like or like you yeah. know what i mean i i just didn't do that i didn't yeah, do that not all a, weekend, really not not a lot of chunky transitions um the ruby waves plasma simple segment of this set i mean that's like 45 minutes of goodness right you got a little bit of bliss in there there was um a little bit of darkness in the ruby. The one thing that I actually wrote down in my notebook is um, plasma, and I'm sure that I'm wrong on this, but plasma for me has this feel like sometimes it can derail a set. Like it gets put in there and um, like 
sometimes it just feels like it strikes Trey to, you know, play those opening guitar licks and be damned whatever they're coming out of um, or potentially going into. Um, and it, so sometimes it feels like, um, you know, and if I had a little bit more time, I would have maybe looked up an example or two of when I felt like this happened for me where the, you know, the band is playing and, and plasma comes in and, and just kind of feels misplaced. Um, and so that was my initial thought when they went from the Ruby waves into plasma. And then probably about four minutes into the plasma, I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> uh, um, that's, that's not the case here. And, um, that plasma is one of the better ones that I've seen fish play being that it's a, you know, a tray band tune. Um, and this was perfect in between the Ruby and the simple. And they were all, I think a little bit similar And skinny said like flowing water. I feel like there was some connective pieces from e through, through, from the Ruby all the way through the simple that made that segment, even though they were three different tunes feel very cohesive. Um, I just, you know, that's one that I haven't had the opportunity to listen to more than, than once. Um, the split open and melt, I did listen to again. And, um, again, like skinny said, I kind of like that frenetic, you know, it's almost like running around, like which direction, like you run one way and then you're like, no, I got to go this way. And then, you know, it's, it has that, uh, sometimes lack of focus. Um, and, and it was big, know, it, it was, was big. There were big swaths. Yeah, it, it was, was. like, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, then you, you, take in the environment and you know it's the building and there is that kind of nervousness anticipation like when is it going to peak when is it going to explode um and so i think that's a great set closer show closer um you know whenever you can whenever you can get that in there um mountains i you know I love mountains in the mist. I got no problem there. And I will second the, you know, good times, bad times. I don't think they play that enough. Agreed. So night two, uh, July 30th, uh, July 29th, excuse me, July 29th, uh, set one back on the train down with disease, the dogs, bug, sugar shack, evolve horn into foam closing with moon age daydream set two was the wedge opened Fuego into Oblivion into Wingsuit into 2001 with a really fun, in my opinion, interlude of Cracklin' Rosie, of course, surrounded by Hold Your Head Up, closing with Say It to Me Santos and the encore of Farmhouse and First Tube. In my opinion, and I know you guys on your show don't do rankings, but I do believe this was, <laughs> I am going to because this is my show. Uh, this is the weakest of the three nights and it's still really good. For you know, to put that as an asterisk, uh, I like the back on the train opener. I always think it's capable. Uh, it's usually a number two hitter, but it opened it just fine. The down with disease was excellent. Mm -hmm. I love this trend of second songs blowing the doors wide open and jamming really hard. I think the dogs is underplayed as a song off of uh, the haunted house album. I love it. I'd also have flashbacks to New Year's Eve 2014 when they did it with the laser lights. I thought that was fun. 
Bug is really when you talked about uh, JW Trey's vocal stylings. Bug is really when he's using his powers for good instead of evil. Yeah, I think that he's singing it really well and it meshes well with the background vocals. And then the set for me took a bit of a break with Sugar Shack and Evolve <laughs> and Horn and Horn. Although I don't dislike Horn, it just didn't add anything. Whereas Sugar Shack and Evolve did kind of take away for me personally. Uh, but Foam. Close, uh, not closed it, but Foam picked it back up. Really, and Moon Age Daydream. You know, we saw this in Atlantic City. I think it was maybe two summers ago when they closed this first set with yeah. Moon Age Daydream. They own that song. They own yeah. that song in the same way they own yeah. Loving Cup, for example. That they could just crack it open and kill the audience with it. I loved it. Yeah, I felt like that Moon Age kind of saved me too, because. Uh, I would agree with you that it, for me, it was for me personally, it's the weakest of the three. Um, the disease was really good. I like the dogs as well. Um, I thought it was neat that, that he dedicated that, the bug to, to that little girl. The Jovi. Yeah. Yeah. She was in attendance. That's pretty cool. Listen, I don't sugar shack. If they could, if that song was constructed, like, I don't know, the first eight measures <laughs> of the song, I probably would love it. But their problem with that one is execution. But I said on that night, once they finished it, I was like, they actually played it very, very well. Now, I know that people don't like it. It's not one of my favorites, that's for sure. But uh, I just thought it was a real turn there, I, like you said. But I don't know why they turned into that way. I never saw – if I saw Evolve, it must have been a Dicks, but I don't think I have. And then I don't like Horn. I think Foam is too janky. I just – what turns me off about Foam, I think, is what turns you off about the split open and melt. It's the first lines. It's like, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> I can't. And I made it back. I laughed during foam and made it back for the moon age. Cause I mean, I'm glad I made it back. I didn't know what they were going to play obviously, but I, I love, uh, it's just a straight up rocker that just, like you said, the white lights crushes the garden. They, yeah. They definitely should open up that can of whoop ass on a regular basis. So, and Trey yeah. sings it really well. Bowie yeah. is a hard artist to cover. Yeah. Yes. And we saw that set, um, which I think is the last uh, actual musical album cover that they've done, if yeah. my memory serves me correct. Ziggy Stardust, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they were great when we saw that in Vegas. So I, I definitely am partial to that. No doubt about it. We were behind the stage for Saturday night. We were in two twelve, one twelve. Um so we were like right behind Fishman and watching that guy work, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of cases, you know, if you're not in a specific spot, you can't really see him playing the drums. Um, but it's just unbelievable. And so when they started back on the train, like I was, I was like just in awe watching him. And then the 20 minute disease in the two hole was I mean, it was mind blowing. And I know skinny that disease is not one of your favorites because usually it shows up to open a second set. Um, it just shows up all the time really now, I but mean, all the time. I see it all the time and I'm not complaining. I'm just, saying. I, I absolutely loved this placement in the beginning of the first set. I thought that it was a, a great spot there. Um, you know, and the disease jam was, was, 
you know, kind of first seti, you know, it was not like, uh, you know, a little bit deeper or, um, uh, darker or, you know, any sort of evil that some of the second setters can, can tend to devolve into or evolve, I guess. Um, but this was kind of bright and fun and entertaining. Um, the dogs, I love everything, chilling, thrilling sounds, um, you know, bug. It's cute that that little girl whose parents forced her up on stage or whatever. <laughs> Not true. She was on my podcast. You should listen to the episode. But Joe, I'm going to. You had her have... on your podcast. Yeah. Her and her death. OK, All right. I'll have I'll, to listen. To I will that. listen to that. So please. Um, but, uh, you know, bug sugar shack evolved. Those songs to me are like first set filler songs. Um, you know, I don't hate them. I don't love them they don't offend me if i have to pee or get a drink or something during any of those i might um horn those opening notes they just <laughs> make my skin crawl uh but then i like foam and and you know i think you guys have said all, all that needs to be said about moonage i think it's a fabulous cover um and this is another one too where i think they really know where to place this to get maximum effect um, right here at the end of the first. I think especially after, you know, you're talking one, two, three, four, you know, five songs where, uh, you know, the general consensus is probably, okay, yeah, you know, we're on a fish show, but it's not like, oh man, yeah, they're playing Sugar Shack, you know? <laughs> um, Has anybody ever done that? But you, you're going to get that, you know, with a moonage here. So I really think that the the placement of this I, well played um, and this is this is probably one of my favorite covers that that they do just because it's so consistent. Yep. Set to the wedge fuego into oblivion, into wingsuit, into 2001. Hold your head up. Crack on Rosie. Hold your head up. And closing with Say It To Me, Santos and the Encore are Farmhouse and First Tube. For me, this goes all the way through 2001, or actually through Crack When Rosie. I guess the whole set is pretty damn good. I mean, yeah. the start of the wedge was pretty great. It was a very typical wedge, kind of like back on the train in the first set. But the Fuego, I think, is what most people walked away talking about. At the end of the show, though, I was walking away talking about Crack When Rosie because it was toward the top of my... Uh, most often played but never seen stat mm. list and now i could cross that off it took me back to like when i was first getting into fish and i was listening to a lot of shows from like 1993 and 1992 because that's where the best quality recordings were from and they used to play crack on rosie all the time and i remember reading about how fishman had the handheld symbols that said bah on the inside and i remember since i've been going to shows like well i guess i missed that boat i guess they're not going to play that Similar to when they played Purple Rain, I think it was in 2012 at Jones Beach, I had the same sort of feeling. Even though it's a goofy Fishman song, I thought at the time of each respective show, I guess I'm not going to see that one. I missed that one. And right. they broke it out. So musically, the Fuego and Oblivion is my top pick. But personally, Cracklin' Rosie was the best for me. I hate Neil Diamond. <laughs> I no, do not, not like... I do not like a single thing from Neil Diamond and whatever. This is fun to see because it, it's, you know, a fishy thing. And this is a, a, 
you know, less so, but a, certainly a part of what the band is. So seeing it is cool and fun. Fuck Neil Diamond. Um, <laughs> Holy shit. Sorry. What's that song they play at Red Sox games? I Dirty wanna... Water. No, no, no. They play uh, Sweet Caroline and, yeah. and fuck the Red Sox, by the way. Yeah, well, we can agree. You can agree there, on but, that. From Baltimore um, to New York. Yeah. Yeah. I the, I just, you know, whatever. The Wedge was the first song I ever saw live at my first show. So I anytime that comes out, I love it. And I thought it was a nice surprise here in the beginning of a second set. I'd love to see stats on how many times the wedge has opened a second set. Um and then I look, Fuego, remember when everybody hated it? Um, here's a 30-minute version for those folks. This was just absolutely ridiculous, deep, exploratory. Um, and I love that they blacked it, that they backed it up with oblivion. The combination there um I was just so smooth. I just felt like they they put that those two songs together that felt really right. Um I like Wingsuit. I liked all of the, you know, the Fuego show stuff. So Wingsuit I thought was was good and I love the moment, you know, when they peek it out and then, you know, everybody's kind of standing on the edge of the cliff and they drop it and Corota hits the building with the lights and and that's a that's a fish moment for me like um has just always felt and i like the song like I, this song wingsuit has some meaning for me personally um and then you know 2001 so for me that the beginning of that set um was just super powerful i mean you're talking about a 30 minute song in there and then oblivion was what 14 you know so you you get a great chunk of music there um you know, when they do the hold, hold your head up and, um, you know, stuff like that, it's fun. It's entertaining. Um, I try and judge some of these shows based on re-listenability. And I can guarantee you, aside from, you know, a happenstance listen, I'll never hear Fishman sing Cracklin' Rosie again. <laughs> what if you accidentally hit like the forward thing on your car? It might come on. You know I, mean, I mean, it might, but I'll know it because it also says it on there. And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> all right. And, and you know what? In the Santos, look, Santos, I think, um, uh, is a fun one. And I think fills the spot, right? Uh, I, I don't know how many people are are, are crazy about Santos. I, I think it's a fun tune. It's great to sing along to. Um, I know that the, the farmhouse encore was uh maybe not well received but then you know trey rock starts it out with the first tube to 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 send us home happy so um and farmhouse was well played I, yeah. I that's i think it always like so i saw somebody say that there was a palpable groan from the crowd i've heard those i didn't hear that during the farmhouse yeah i don't and, think i got that during during yeah, that. I, I think it was just that. quiet i think it was just yes. quiet there just i think everybody war. knew it was going to be a at least two songs yeah. the encore. Yeah. right uh i mean you know i didn't hear that i farmhouse i love when they i wish they would just uh play a farmhouse no woman no cry and then everybody would kind of <laughs> shut up about it you know um for me i i love the whole set i thought it was awesome i like when they um do the fishy stuff and i thought that was so funny like i have a lot of pictures of fish out there doing this thing during that whole part and 
uh, you know, seeing a hold your head up when they did like the tweezer fest at, uh, at Merriweather, I think in 2014. So it just kind of brings me back to that. Cause that was funny. Um, even though they didn't do crackling Rosie there, um, they did Jennifer. Yeah. Well, the, my biggest, I mean, the, the 2001, I was another one of those just insane crowd roars, mm. uh, yeah. and they peaked it out. I, I just, that's probably, I said to my wife, I was like that 2001 was, I, I'll never forget that, how that looked. That thing was just look, I, you know, and I look around a lot, especially if I'm not like just flipping out on whatever, like, you know, just getting into it. I mean, obviously everybody gets into that 2001, but oh boy. I mean, just seeing the garden react to that light wise, <laughs> everything just amazing. So I really like this. Does Corona know yeah. how to light that tune or what? Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, not my favorite show of the weekend, um, but it's really hard not to say like there weren't any highlights. There were there were several. I yeah. mean, I, I love the Fuego. I like that song. I love the Wedge. I don't think I've seen the Wedge in a while. Actually, I'd have to go back. But I if, if I've seen it, it wasn't anything notable. So to see it as like an opener was kind of cool. I like that part. Nah. I like the, the the that whole transition there. The Fuego Oblivion wingsuit um, into 2001 is just like it might not be the the best show of the weekend, but that spot right there it was just man, that was amazing. So I, I it's hard to sit here and like um, you know throw shade at any show because every yeah. show this weekend had you know a lot of perfection so i i was really pleased and no no problems i got no problems with you people <laughs> i think i think one of the things that also plays into you know your evaluation of these shows if however you want to rank them is like you know there's some other things like were the people around you cool with like some yeah. guy like yelling in your ear during like a particular part of the jam that distracted you or you know how was that energy um we had cool people around us each of the three nights we sat in three different spots in the building um and like the excitement the energy um we personally didn't experience like anybody around us that was like really super fucked up um and you know that can only sometimes add a little bit of weirdness to it when somebody's like you know falling out or losing their shit or whatever um so like the energy for me each night was really high and um you know i wouldn't necessarily say that this was my favorite show but that fuego oblivion wingsuit 2001 segment i mean that's that's probably if not my favorite segment like one you know maybe that and and wave of hope cities you know if we're looking at things and obviously we still have the third show to talk about and there's a lot there but um you know i wouldn't say that each one of these shows by themselves was completely perfect um well i don't know maybe the third night. <laughs> well yeah we'll get we'll get there right now <laughs> so never miss a sunday show show number three july 30th Set one, ACDC bag, my friend, my friend, bathtub gin, theme from the bottom, into llama, as which interrupted theme from the bottom, tube into Golgi apparatus, uh, flawless. 
spectacular. Spectacular. Set on now, Trey weekend. also said, and and the only reason I have to mention this is because it's our theme song. Trey said Golgi and Golgi in this version. So uh, I was a little bit a little bit thrown off there. No, I look this show. Um, I mean that set. I mean, let's just start with the first set. But the well, wait, the, we didn't even read the second or the encore yet. Oh, sorry. Is that <laughs> are how there we're doing rules? That? What are the rules? I don't know. I've, I was just imaginary rule lead. book. Right, right. <laughs> okay, you know, read the we'll second get, set. Right, second He's a talker. Set. He's a talker. Second set. Sigma <laughs> just Oasis. Excited. Sigma Oasis. Life saving gun debut. No man in no man's land. Lonely trip. Frankie says, "Got a jibu," and closes with light with an encore of Susie Greenberg and Isabella. Josh, continue. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I, ACDC bag is probably that or punch you in the eye are probably the best two songs that Fish can start a show with. Um, my friend, I feel like is. Uh, having a little bit of a resurgence um yep. the last couple of versions and the tempo was a little bit different um with this version but my friend has definitely been um feeling itself i think the last couple of versions where where's that they just played like a, a like 15 plus um on on this tour i think right Hold on, let me look. Uh, I don't know. Da, da, da. Yeah, I like, at, I like the um, jam though. At uh, on seven fourteen, yeah, it was like a, a monster one. But this jam was good, and then like that bathtub gin. I think. I mean, it's hard to have a highlight, just one highlight from this set because the gin was not very long, but was very creative, very imaginative. The theme also strayed a little bit from its traditional style um fast llama a 10 minute tube and golgi i mean that's as close to a, a perfect first set as as i think we've had so far yeah and what got me really invested in this is what skinny said way at the beginning of our conversation i think it was you skinny i don't maybe one of you guys could correct me is that they were playing loose and tight at the same time. Like that they were being me. very playful, but they weren't uh, like taking anything for granted. They weren't goofing on any specific parts. And it really set in with me during that theme from the bottom, not to say anything of ACDC bag, my friend, my friend, or bathtub gin, which came in right at the end of my friend, my friend, but a mm -hmm. true segue, not just a stop playing and start right away. Theme from the bottom was my highlight of the set. By a long shot. And I noticed right away uh, that traditional written melodic or melody that they normally play over the verses that do, 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 yeah. that they weren't even playing it. No, they weren't playing it. And no. instead, Trey is playing this like bluesy, funky riff on his guitar. And Paige, and Paige is also like, like trading off with Trey and Mike is just holding a more traditional baseline. So theme from the bottom as we know it was not being played it was being sung but it wasn't being played and the and trey added his vocal stylings as well <laughs> and it just got it's just, it's like it wasn't important like the song wasn't important in a way 
it was the playing that was more important. And to me, I started to have flashbacks to uh, to jam filled night of the Baker's dozen. We were Ooh. in the same place. Mm. It wasn't exactly the same date, but it wasn't. It's not that far off. Just a five day difference. And it's like these songs that you think, you know, because they've been played for 27 or however many years. Right. Theme from the bottom debuted in 1995. So we've heard hundreds of versions of these songs, but we don't know them all yet because this time it's different, but it's Mm. still recognizable as the song. And to me, there's nothing more thrilling than that. Nothing. When Fish takes something that you think, you know, and they play it or change it in a way that is unexpected. So it's unusual yet familiar. That's why I keep coming back because I might hear that again. And who knew? Who knows? Maybe the next song could have been a 15 minute sample in a jar. Like like during the opening of the jam filled night, who knows? And to me, it was like anything and everything is on the table. This was to me, son of jam filled night. And the fact that it was that little story to the people that don't like slow llama. (laughs) Well, good for them. You know, they didn't play it that night. So, you know, nothing to complain about. And then when they did go into llama and then started it over again, that brought me back to the ground with my other favorite part of fish, which is the goofiness and the crowd interaction that was mentioned earlier. So this set, considering that it, it was from 1995, basically, and the fact that the most familiar stuff became unfamiliar set of the weekend for me. I, I like mean, that idea that, yeah. you know, they're, they're still doing, you know, they're taking a, a song and, and doing something different with it. And, and I think llama is a good example of that. I think theme here is, um, Skinny and I have been fortunate. We've talked about a few themes, right? Skin, we do was that yeah. November first, uh, two thousand November second, November second. Oh, yeah. in Atlantic City, Atlantic mm-hmm. City, um, which I thought this one was gonna go someplace else. And then I thought they, so too. They, yeah, I mean, when they were in that jam that you're talking about, I, I was like, oh shit, hold on to your hats. This might get insane. Um, it was good enough anyway. I, I thought it was just fantastic. Actually, I can't wait to listen back to it. this. Is the only show I have not yet listened to. Um, and then they kind of, I don't know, it, it wasn't necessarily like they completely aborted it or like just got away from it. They were in it. And then they, you know, I guess the decision was just to to play Llama. I know before uh, this theme and after the bathtub, or right when the theme maybe got started is when Trey walked over to Mike and Mike and Trey were having, you know, a pretty intentional conversation and i'm sure it was not just about that and what they're going to do it's probably what they're going to do moving forward yeah and and i after seeing that llama and i've seen slow llama a couple times uh and i don't know man slow llama might be dead so (laughs) (laughs) and uh the tube jam i i you know i uh i love tube and anytime they just jump right into it, I'm like, it's just, it's just fire. I know they play a lot of them now, but I just love the way they jump right into that that jam. And of course, Skolgi, um, I love that song. Well, you know, we have fair reason to love that song, but <laughs> that's true. That's a, that's another fair, like white light. I'm gonna give it to you just to crush that first set, which also can be for them sometimes i don't know why they just don't play it right it doesn't sound good or it's just not as strong that 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 whole first set crushed from beginning to end there's nothing really to break down it's like that it's it's the best that i've heard i think 
I said, again, another E for execution. I said to every song they played was executed perfectly in that set. Like, how many times do you get that? How many times do you walk out of a fish show and say, every song I heard in that set was perfectly executed? I mean, you know. I think the other thing here is the actual choices, the set choices. Sure. Bag, right. my friend, gin, theme, llama tube, gogi. Like, there's not a, an iota of a note in that to complain about, you know, mm -hmm. like these are all fan favorites. Um, I mean, Golgi is one of the songs they've played the most over their career. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody in decades of being a fan that were like, ah, yeah, theme from the bottom. That song sucks. You know, like there's, <laughs> there's no dogs in I'm this. I'm sure set. there's somebody there out, out there. there. Yeah, I'm out sure there. that there are, but um, they are an anomaly. And, um, you know, f I, I think for your money, these set list choices for set one, um, you know, lives up to the don't ever miss a Sunday show, you know, especially a Sunday show at the garden. Um, I think that the, the hype and expectation matched what they delivered on, on this set. This set for me passed the bathroom test, which to me is. If I had to go to the bathroom throughout this entire set, when is an appropriate time to go and feel like I won't miss anything? And I just had to go with the beginning of Golgi, but just because I held it all the way through ACDC bag, all the way through the end of tube. And it's like, well, it's either pee my pants or just miss the beginning of Golgi apparatus. That's what so, I did. That was my exact same timing. I waited until after the, or, you know, like as they were, I guess it was the beginning of Golgi. I was like, I have to pee. Yeah. So it was close. Set, Our bathroom was close. So it was, yeah. So this set passed that uh, second set, Sigma Oasis, life-saving gun, no man in no man's land, lonely trip. Frankie says, got a jaboo and light with an encore of Susie Greenberg and Isabella. My, theory my theme that i came up with about 10 seconds into sigma oasis is this set is going to be all 3.0 songs i was almost right right minus uh god of jabu when frankie says but i thought that they were kind of making a statement because of all the joking in set yeah. one about llama about we used to play this song in the old madison square garden before all you fans were born you know all that goofiness yeah. i thought that they were trying to make a point with we could play a set full of golden oldies and then play a set full of brand new music and still jam the fuck out of it which they did with life-saving gun and no man in no man's land and yeah. i really enjoyed that so life-saving gun never heard of spent a good portion of the first couple of minutes on my phone refreshing trying to find the name of the song to the point where the friend to my right just looked over and said what are you doing and I'm like, I need to know. I need to know. Uh, but I fa obviously found it eventually. And the jam in No Man in No Man's Land, which I know is not always the most popular song because it's very repetitive and it's basically one note and one or one chord and one drum beat. Um, I was bought in. Lonely Trip and Frankie Says was good sit down time for me because for all those fans that were born before 1994, eventually or after 1994, <laughs> eventually you're going to need to sit during yeah. a set at some point and lonely trip and frankie says beautiful though they are was my opportunity got a jaboo had a big uh peak that i loved and y'all know how i feel about light yeah i mean the loop in the jaboo is what i like it was pretty cool to hear that again after 
a, a while. I don't know. They used to do it all the time. So when I hear that, I love it. I do love that transition. Well, not that transition, that, that part, again, these big chunks like Life Saving Gun, which I never even listened to January. So there's me for fresh years. Like I never yeah, heard the song, nothing. Like I knew nothing about it until after the show. Um, and then, you know, I've seen No Man and No Man's Land so many times, but I, I do like it because they are always have the potential um, to go deep with it. And I've seen a bunch of, of these songs go deep, meaning this the versions go deep. And I didn't sit down until light. Funny that you said that. Um, I um, paid attention during Lonely Trip and I don't know if I'd ever saw Frankie says I'd have to go back. So I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this. So I was paying attention to that. And then, of course, I like the Jabu a lot. But I I wish they would have kind of turned things around here. Like, I would have rather, like, if I had a chance to manipulate a set list this weekend, it would have been this one. Regardless of whether they were playing 3.0 or 4.0 songs intentionally, I would have put that light somewhere else, probably in the beginning or maybe even the two-hole and let it explode. Because, again, I don't necessarily like the song either. But I do respect its ability to just have these amazing jams that go into something else. So it probably would have been just a little bit of a different feel. And I, I just, I've never seen the set end with light. And has it ever ended with light? Am I? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Probably. I don't, yeah, I, I'm I, sure it has. Hold on, let me. Uh oh. Well, I'm not that big of a stat nerd. I just didn't. I thought, oh, that's the end of the set. Okay. So <laughs> I was really. <laughs> I, I mean, I was ecstatic when they did a Susie Greenberg Isabella because, I mean, I like Susie anyway because, again, crushing the end of the weekend. Glad you guys had a good time. Here's some more white lights. We're going to play the shit out of this. And I know I got one more, which, by the way, everybody should be happy. I didn't leave for one encore. This I stayed for every Wow. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Thank that's... you very much. Wow, uh, dude, that's impressive. <laughs> send me your money in the mail. But yes, wow. I stayed for everyone. And I'm glad that I did specifically for for the Isabella because that, that shit rocked. And it was yeah. just awesome. I, I, Brian, I didn't even think about the uh, 1.0 you know 3.0 breakdown of set one and set two i mean obviously it's it's not perfect but um it's definitely interesting um i thought when they started sigma that they were going to break away from the two-hole format that had been basically the model um because sigma is one that has obviously gone out on a number of occasions um but man i think life-saving gun might be my my favorite of the new tunes and i feel like i heard it when they released that al album that was panned wasn't that like that was beginning? january was right? it yeah so it was on there and i think i listened to it and we might have even mentioned it on a previous episode where we were just talking about new music or whatever and i think i might have mm -hmm. mentioned um that tune um, but obviously, I didn't know anything about it, and I really feel like this has a ton of potential. Um, I mean, anytime they debut something that goes as deep as this one did, I think that you know tells you something. Um, I think the band really liked playing this one. Um, 
No Men in No Man's Land, I have always enjoyed. And the funny thing about this is we had in Philly gone to this art exhibit called Wonder Space, Wonder Spaces, um, which was over by um, Reading Terminal. And it was like this super cool, like you're part of the cosmos. And we did this like VR thing where you got like swallowed up by a black hole and the entire time I'm sitting there, I'm hearing the words to no man and no man's land. And so um, then just seeing that in the jam, it just kind of was like a funny circular thing for me. Um, Lonely trip. I've, I really like that. And the, the sentimentality there, I totally blanked on Frankie says, I couldn't remember the name of that. I was a little embarrassed. Uh, when I was trying to keep the set, um, I've only seen, that was only like the third time I'd seen it, but, um, you know, that's not a frequent one. And then Jabu light is, a a, a very, um, comfortable place, I think for them to end this show. Um, you know, I, I really like Jabu. I feel the same way about light as both of you. Um, it's a, you know, I don't necessarily have a, a affinity for the beginning of the tune, but it is a very consistent jammer. Um, and for me, I associate like the term jam vehicle, like was invented because of light, <laughs> because of this song where, you know, a lot of people are like, eh, the song's not that good, but they can take it to some places where, uh, you know, you'll absolutely lose your mind. And, um, you know, so I, I'm sure that that's again, not correct, but I feel like for me, I associate the term, like if somebody's like, what's a jam vehicle light is the first, the first song that's coming to my mind to me. It's and then tweeted. the encore dude, I mean, this is an epic encore. Yeah. No one, no one should complain about anytime you hear Isabella, if you complain, we're taking your card away. Yeah. Right. You know, you know. <laughs> but Nobody, uh, don't complain yeah. about Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but jam vehicle to me is tweezer because I always think it's like it's barely a song, it's pretty much one line of lyrics and it's one riff, right? For nine minutes minimum, and so it's just an excuse to jam to me. I mean, you talk about your most meaningful fish songs, you can't really name tweezer unless you're talking about the music associated with it. Well, so I song it holds it doesn't hold much. I'm gonna disagree with you a little bit here because I look at the term jam vehicle as more of um uh an excuse, you know. Whereas you know, tweezer is universally universally beloved by everybody, right? It's fish. It's the you know the quintessential. They they play it. They jam. Everything is great. You're never gonna see a bad tweezer, right? But you know, when somebody's like, everything can be a vehicle or, you know, a jam vehicle, like I always think like it's the vehicle is helping the part of the song that people are like, yeah, maybe I don't really like this part, but the jams. And so it becomes this, you know, I don't necessarily like the formal part of light, but it jams. It's a jam vehicle. So that yeah. that's kind of my association. I mean, it's just an interpretation thing. And These opinions the, don't necessarily represent all of Stub Me Down. Right. <laughs> or matter to anybody at any point about anything. <laughs> right, right. But what this set, the second set did for me for this show, and I think this is what might put it over the top, overnight one for me, is because of lights, not specifically this version of it, but the light corollary for anyone who doesn't listen to 
attendance bias. It's the fact that the newest songs that Fish plays, the more I don't like the newer songs, the better they're going to jam them. And I think that's just a general rule throughout their history. And when they played Sigma Oasis to start it, which I do like for the record, I was thinking, well, if this is all going to be 3.0 songs, what am I going to do? Just sit here with a frown on my face until they start jamming? What a shitty way to enjoy a fish show. Like if they play light next, what am I just going to fold my arms and, you know, frown for the whole time? That's no way to live. So this kind of broke me this second set and my stuck up opinions and said, you're going to like this, whether you like it or not, because they're playing so well. And you can't just avoid new material for the rest of your fish going career, which I hope lasts a long time. Uh, that didn't turn out to be the case because no man in no man's land been around for it since 2015. And Frankie says 98 and so forth. But with Sigma Oasis and then a debut, it's like, well, just let it let it shine on me. Like, let it fall over and I'll just absorb whatever falls on me because I can't be a stuck up asshole and have a good time at the same time. Those two things are in conflict with one another. So I think that's what puts this third, this third night over the first one, the first amazing 1995 and like skinny was saying, perfectly executed first set with jamming and unfamiliarity within the confines of familiarity. And uh, the set to, kind of breaking me into accepting new songs that I instinctually don't like, but will enjoy. So that's, for me, and it ends with Isabella. That's real right. growth, Brian. You know, that's Aww. real growth. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of you. While on vacation. Yeah, on vacation, man. That's this pretty, like you should build a professional development around this. <laughs> and no one would come. I already have uh, a professional development. It's it's when to send reply all emails. It's the shortest. <laughs> it's the shortest professional development meeting in the world. Two minutes, one word. Never, never. Right. Yeah. I will not be there. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Right. So, guys, amazing. any last thoughts about these first three nights at MSG? I just had a really wonderful time, man. You know, at New York City with all its, you know, flaws and bed sores. You know, there's there's really a lot of of good parts about the city. So when I see people say like they don't want to go to a run at MSG or they're too afraid of the city or they're not sure how to navigate it, just remember like it's not it's not as scary as you think it is. And once you get into the friendly confines of Madison Square Garden, man, everything's gonna be all right. So I, I just besides, you know, the copious amounts of money that were spent, um <laughs> You know, I mean, you can't take it with you. So um, I, I was just super pleased. It was probably, I, I mean, it's up there with the the April run, which was the last time we were at the garden. So, I mean, um, besides that spectacle of whales and sea creatures, uh, they, they did not disappoint. That's all I got to say. Did not disappoint. Speaking about copious amounts of money, I did... I didn't do a lot of drinking inside the venue. I had a beer each set, but it was the $19 Hopsalot beer that came in the cups, which were not smelly this year. Um, what was that, $20? <laughs> yeah, we were fucking 19 bucks each. I know, it's crazy, dude. I don't even uh, like talking about it. Um, but, uh, you know, then I... I, I only had, you know, like I said, I had one beer each set. So like, I felt, I felt a little bit better about that. Um, I, I mean, look, overall, 
fish new york city at the garden is um part i think it's the pinnacle of seeing this band um especially nowadays because of uh, just the relationship between msg as a concert venue and the crowd and the band so it's never not going to be fun um i the the new songs oblivion and we called an oblivion in the um i think it was in philly or maybe it was pittsburgh um life-saving gun i think those are great additions um like i said at the at the beginning i bet you the well is maybe tonight or tomorrow that's a pretty good tune that that can get um a little bit dark and and in some some um shadowy places so that's a good one overall i think the band is ripping and these next four shows i think tonight and tomorrow you're gonna get you know maybe something a little bit different because the the midweek you know people might be taking these off um you know there's there could be that that mentality you know kind of like the skipping syracuse because you know it's a little bit out of the way between pittsburgh and philly right um so you know you might see those uh shows really absolutely rip um i think that you're gonna have a good time no matter what bro i'm jealous but um you know what? Uh, I extend my uh, good wishes for everybody that's going tonight and tomorrow and um, this weekend coming up. And uh, um, then, you know, I think it's also really cool that they added those two SPAC shows for the Vermont flooding benefit. I mean, you know, that's that's awesome. I know a lot of people that uh, are going to try and, and hit those SPAC shows and, um, you know, then I'll see you at Dick's. So. It's been a good summer so far, man. And we'll continue to be JW Skinny from the Stub Me Down podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today to recap the 28th, 29th, and 30th Fish's first weekend, the first chunk of shows of their seven-night run at MSG in the summer of 2023. Guys, thank you. Uh, have a good rest of your summer. Yeah, man. Ryan, thank you. Yeah, Always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure yeah, man. to do this. Thanks for having us on, brother. Love you.